Welcome to Ahead of the Game, a podcast brought to you by KMT Partners. I'm Andrew Montesi. In this episode, I talk to Professor Adam Steen from Charles Sturt University. Adam has worked in several leading business schools, both in Australia and internationally, and his research has been published in leading journals globally. Adam's work cuts across the boundaries of accounting, finance and welfare economics and includes studies which consider the cost of social and economic disadvantage. In this episode, though, we focus on Adam's research into estate planning. The results are startling, to say the least. With most Australians potentially putting their estates and even their businesses at risk, while also exposing loved ones to an administrative nightmare. Then there's the impact of digital assets, which most of us are certainly not prepared for. Adam talks about the state of play, what can be done to bring order to our estate planning, and the challenge of raising awareness of the somewhat taboo issue of death and what happens to our personal world when we're gone. This podcast is brought to you by KMT Partners. KMT is a leading accounting and wealth management advisory firm in South Australia, assisting you to emerge, renew, grow and build resilience in business, themes which are central to this podcast series. For more information, visit kmtpartners.com.au. Enjoy our chat with Professor Adam Steen from Charles Sturt University. Professor Adam Steen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Now, we're going to be focusing in on estate planning, and to kick things off, based on your research, do Australians really understand estate planning? Well, I'd say, in general, no. Uh, We just completed a few months ago a a large study. We we did a national survey of over a 1,000 Australians, and we asked them various questions about estate planning. And what came out, there was a few major facts that, you know, just under half of Australians don't have a will. Of those who do have a will, um, about half of those have their will is not up to date. But estate planning is far more than just the preparation of a will. So there's a whole lot of aspects to um, incapacity and, and death that Australians don't think about and haven't thought about. And that came quite clearly out of our research. Pretty startling stuff. Um when you really think about it, what, why aren't we conscious of it? Why isn't it on the agenda? I think it's one of those things where people put it off uh, in their minds. They don't want to think about death or disability. Um, I think that's just a natural thing. Um, so what, what came out in the research were things like, you know, for mums and dads, you know, most parents don't have guardianship arrangements in place for their children in the event of death or incapacity. Um, you know, that was a that was a pretty stunning result, mm. and and then when you talk about life insurance, most people said no, we don't have any life insurance. Um, so they're fairly fundamental things, but I, I think I think in general it's that case that people just don't want to think about it until they're actually faced with the inevitability. Mm, it's it's amazing. I mean, it's a I mean it's a very broad and tough question, but how do we start bringing about change or or educating? the average Joe out there about these issues? Well, I think that's that's a pretty big question to answer. I mean, I think it's just programs like this and, and, and things that we can do to, to for professionals, particularly planners, accountants, solicitors, to talk to their, their um, clients to start the dialogue and say, look, it, it's not just the preparation of all you need. You need to have a really good think about this and discussion with your family um, you've got assets, there are generational issues, there's equity issues amongst the members of the family. 
you know, start the conversation, start it, start it now rather than leaving it to the end. And it doesn't seem like estate planning is going to get any uh, simpler as the kind of digital world evolves. What, how do digital assets fit into all of this? Well, if, if you think we, we now talk about people having a digital life that, that exists beyond the grave sort of thing, and the internet has become all pervasive, so you have, when we talk about digital assets, we're talking about anything that is in a binary or digital form. So that includes your digital, your, your, your online bank accounts, your online health records, um, your email, your Facebook, your iTunes, um, anything you can think of that's held in digital form. And, you know, there's not only implications for individuals, but there are also, indica- in, in, there are also important implications for businesses as well. One of, the, one of the things that people don't realise that came out of the research was that um, people didn't realise that if you die or become disabled, you don't automatically, or your, your trustee does not automatically have access to your digital assets. So, for example, um, the classic case is iTunes. People spend hundreds or if not thousands of dollars on iTunes. You don't own that content. That's re- you're renting that. So you can't will that to someone else. Um, we, we, we have had the classic example in the UK of a family business, very high-wealth individuals, and the, the husband has all of the email accounts and, and all of the access to all of his online bank accounts and everything, um, he becomes disabled. Um, he can't access those things anymore. His wife, as next of kin and trustee, she can't access because she's not legally allowed to. Um, because the end user agreements are typically between a person and the company, whether it's Facebook, Google, whatever. That's a, an enormous problem. And we don't have legislation in Australia that allows trustees to access the online accounts of our of their clients. Um, the United States has passed legislation called RUFATA. Um, don't ask me what the acronym means because <laughs> uh, it basically is, is legislation that allows um, trustees to access the, the accounts, uh, the digital accounts of their clients. Um, we don't have anything like that in Australia. So... One implication for business is that businesses should try and make sure that all their digital assets, the accounts are actually held in the company name, which will obviously survive on past the, uh, past the, the um, you know, an individual mm. passing away or becoming incapacitated. For individuals, what we say is that um, we're now talking about in, in estate planning, we're talking about getting people to understand and to account for their digital assets. So make a list of your digital assets. Um, make sure your passwords and usernames and stuff are kept in a safe place and all that kind of thing. But um, what people are starting to be aware of is that some digital assets have a sentimental value. Some have an obvious monetary value. Some digital assets will have a monetary value in the future, but we just don't know it yet. So, And particularly for businesses, their, their, their client lists and all that kind of stuff, they're, they're of great value. So these are things we have to be aware of and we have to be able to to manage. And I guess based on your research, most people aren't across it. And I mean, as you say, there's the the problem for individuals, but that problem for for businesses and business owners is particularly complex. 
Absolutely. Well, if you, you think if you've got a you know, partner in a business and they've got all the digital accounts and all that kind of stuff and they become incapacitated, you know, through whatever, um, even if they don't die, I mean, the, the whole business stops. It's, mm. This is a, a big risk management exercise and, and, and for, for most businesses. So you mentioned that legislation isn't really keeping up. Mm. Are advisors able to keep up? Uh, I would say there's a percentage of advisors who understand this. And, for example, in South Australia, there's been some great work done by several people here um, who actually understand and are across this this issue. I I guess for your average suburban solicitor, they're still not in that that mind space Mm. Um, and and really um, this notion of managing this kind of risk really needs to get out there into the into the public domain. Mm. It's even I'm thinking of all the different um, emerging technologies and so forth, blockchain and cryptocurrency Absolutely. and cryptocurrency being kind of held on various platforms that hasn't even actually been transacted into real cash yet. Jeez, it's, mm. it's getting complex. It's a, it's a big minefield and we need legislation in Australia and we need people who are involved in a professional service level, accountants, solicitors, um, financial planners and financial advisors to actually understand the dynamics and understand the risks so they can manage their client risk. Mm. So from the point of view, you know, as a professor, what what's the education system's role in this? Well, we're, we're trying to get the message out there. So um, you'll see now that in the state planning curriculum um, that most financial planners have to do as part of their education, their professional studies. Um, the message is, get, is filtering out and uh, the younger graduates are becoming aware of these issues and, and they're, more, they're more technophile anyway mm. um, and tech, tech savvy. So I think it's, but it's, it's still the older generation, it's the clients getting them to understand that so much of their life now is, is actually in digital format and it's very, very important mm. to, to manage the, those risks. And as you said, a, a digital asset is really something of value, whether sentimental or, or monetary. Absolutely. And, and if you think, I mean, think about um, collections, um, whether they be um, works of art or whether they be musical and all that kind of stuff, um, you know, they may not have an immediate monetary value now, but they may have it in, mm. in the future. Um, and, and we can't even begin to think of what's going to happen in the future and, mm. and what kind of technologies are coming out and all that kind of stuff. So we better get our heads around this, this space now. Mm. So, I mean, we've we kind of touched on it, but in practical terms, what are the implications for, you know, not having an incomplete will? What are the, what are the ramifications for, for not being up to speed? Um, I mean, a lot of people may think that, you know, well, once I pass away, well, it's not my problem anymore. <laughs> what does it look like for our loved ones? Well, this is the problem. So if you don't have a, an incomplete, if you have an incomplete estate plan, you might have a will. It might be very old and out of date. The beneficiaries that you, you want to direct your assets to may change. Um, you need to consider whether you've got children and, and whether you have guardianship. You, you need to consider whether you've got insurances and all that kind of stuff. But also things like trust arrangements. Um, one of the issues that we found was that most people didn't understand what their obligations were 
if they were actually a beneficiary or a trustee of a trust. For example, so many people now have self-managed super funds. But our research showed that most of the people who had self-managed super funds, or a very large percentage of them, didn't actually understand that a SMSF is a trust and it's got obligations and rights and responsibilities. And as I said, most people who had those SMSFs didn't understand that. Um, when we asked people about their trust arrangements, um, those who did have, who acknowledged they had a trust or a beneficiary or, or a, a trustee, um, a large proportion of them, we asked some fundamental questions. For example, do you know how long the average, you know, the age of a trust is? How long did the trust last? And in all states apart from South Australia, trusts have a maximum life of 80 years. Now, most of the people we asked didn't know that. Mm. So, you know, you can get yourself legally into hot water if you don't understand your rights and obligations, if you're not prepared. Um, you can, you know, not leave adequate provision for your children, um, not leave adequate provision for your, your loved ones, your spouse and so forth. So it really what the, it's, what's quite clear from our research is the estate plan is not just write a will and put it in a drawer mm. and leave it for 10 years. It's actually a complete a discussion with the family and an appropriately qualified advisor as to what are your wishes, what is your estate, how to manage that whole thing. And particularly if someone dies um, you know, without warning um, or becomes disabled without warning, um, you, you don't want... Their neck, you don't want your spouse, your partner, your next of kin to actually be fumbling around and they're dealing with grief already. You don't want to actually overburden them with all the technicalities of estates and all that kind of stuff and, and running around. And, and, you know, you see that in, in practice so many times where people aren't prepared and it causes enormous problems and it just adds to people's stress and grief of those mm. who were left behind. Mm. I think what's interesting as well is um, the this isn't set and forget type of stuff either. Mm. I mean, we're talking about a digital world that's evolving every day. Mm. How often should we be reviewing uh, our estate plans and um, and and our business succession? Mm. Well, it used to be said that I can remember it being said that you know you, you'd review if your circumstances change. So if you've got an, uh, another child or remarried or whatever but I think these days with the way technology is evolving the way the legislative world is changing the way tax arrangements are evolving all of those things are really important so it's important that you have a periodic review of these things um, and that is more than just you know when when you get the next child or get married mm. again <laughs> yeah, absolutely so for I'm sure there's many people listening to this going, oh, geez, actually, you know what, I'm, I'm not up to date, mm. maybe not up to date at all with any of this personally and also with my business. They may be feeling a bit overawed with everything that needs to be done. Mm. Where, where does that type of person start? Well, I think it's, it's making contact with a, an appropriately qualified and experienced um, professional financial advisor um, who can actually you know, not just provide you basic accounting advice or basic, uh, basic will preparation, but someone who actually understands the dynamics. Um, you know, we, 
I'm, I'm associated with a global body called the Society for Trustees and Estate Practitioners, or otherwise known as STEP. And uh, STEP practitioners, um, they go, undergo rigorous training and, and rigorous accreditation, and they work in this area of estate planning and trust administration. So um, not to want to put a, you know, to, to be promoted, glorious self-promotion, but um, if you were, you know, having, if you were a, a listed public company and you needed to have your accounts consolidated, you would go to a chartered accountant. Well, in the same way, um, if you need estate planning advice, you go to a qualified estate planner. It's a, it's a fascinating topic. It's, I, the challenge is definitely, I think, ahead of you and other people in the industry, uh, this, the PR aspect, mm. you know, of, of talking about this, uh, making it resonate. I mean, how do you go about that in terms of, is it, it seems to me just thinking out loud, it's, it's almost the real stories. Like it's not about generating fear, but um, I think to, I don't know, it's almost that people need to see the personal stories mm. or the ramifications of what happens when, when it's not done right. That's right. And look, it, it's, I, I guess it's like, you know, when you have a major weather event, if you know that there's a storm coming, what do you do? You do the obvious things and to try and mitigate the, 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 the unforeseen, the unwanted or unwarranted, um, you know, downside of the storm. So you go outside and you tie things down and you put things away and all that kind of stuff and you make sure your gutters are clean if there's going to be a, a major storm. You, you try and manage it mm. because you know that if you don't try and manage it, it's going to cost you more in the long run. Well, I, I guess it's the same way that we need to illustrate, as you say, to people, you know, by analogy and by experience, if you don't prepare, it's going to cost you more and it's going to cause more grief and more heartache in the long run. Mm. Well, Adam, thanks so much for uh, sharing just some of your research and, and your insights. It's, um, I think the, the challenge is, is ahead of all of us to, to keep up to date with this stuff, particularly as, um, as the digital world evolves. So thanks so much for your time. Thank you very much, Adam. Thanks for listening to our interview with Professor Adam Steen. Ahead of the Game brings you business stories that will inspire and help you grow. Please subscribe to our show and to find out more, visit kmtpartners.com.au. At our website, you can also find out more about KMT's accounting and wealth advisory services, which support individuals, their family and their businesses with accounting, business, management, growth, compliance and advisory services. Get in touch at kmtpartners.com.au.